Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. I'm going to pose a hypothetical situation here. You have an app that you've built, which is in production. And, okay. and uh, you hear maybe via support or a, an email or something that the app is slow. All right. That's the extent of the, uh, the report that you've received. <laughs> Where would you uh, start after getting such an email? Well, I would uh, click Marcus spam. And call it a day. <laughs> no, I think that's a good question because um, I'm sure everyone's kind of had that situation uh, before. So there, there's a number of different ways to approach that. Uh, I think the, the first sort of way, um, and I think I'm going to go off a little on, on the side here that you weren't expecting, is empathy. Okay. You weren't I was not to expecting say that. that. Yeah. No, not even a little. <laughs> So I think the first thing is when people say something is slow or whatever, they have some sort of experience that they're expecting and there's nothing you can say that's going to make them change right away what they expect. Uh, so the best thing to do to get the most information out of them is to come alongside of them in an empathetic way and say, Oh, you know, I, I can imagine having a slow application is, is frustrating. I'd like to know a little bit more about the, the experience you're having. So could you explain that a little bit more to me? And, as much as that kind of sounds a little like, I don't want to talk that way. Um, <laughs> you're really accomplishing a couple of things there. One is, you know, coming alongside someone, helping them not be so angry is actually going to open them up to give you more information. Your job is to solve whatever problem is happening. And we don't really even know if it's a problem yet, but the only way we can solve that problem is getting information out of that person. And so while we know it's not your code, it's a problem. It might be you can't you can't be all defensive you have to come along and say oh i understand that that's you know that's a, that's a problem and so when you kind of connect with someone that way they're more likely to kind of tell you more information think about it like when you have when you're talking with your friends and and um you know they ask you know they don't they don't try to solve the problem they just kind of listen and they say hey yeah yeah that, mm -hmm. that does suck and you're like yeah and here's even more information about it that you don't care about yeah. um so as a developer though we need all that extra information so I think the first thing to do is when someone says, hey, your app is slow, is to put pause on that, that angry feel, <laughs> unless, unless you don't have anger issues like I do, um, but put pause on that, that angry feel and, and say, you know, I, I get it. What, what, you know, what's, what's actually happening? So that's the, kind of the first thing. Even if, if the reaction isn't rises to the level of anger, <laughs> it usually is a little adversarial because you take pride in the thing you built and they're saying it doesn't work right. And you're like, well, of course it does. Like you must be on IE six on like a Pentium computer. <laughs> like that's right. gotta be the problem, right? <laughs> Just to kind of go along with your thought. Press the like, turbo button. <laughs> press the turbo <laughs> button to, to put a positive spin on it. Like you could even take a moment to be grateful that they told you there was an issue mm -hmm. because some users would just be disgruntled and maybe stop, just stop using the app. And uh, I would also say that it's slow is a step above it doesn't work so in, in terms right. of uh, descriptiveness. So they give you a little bit more information than just like the app doesn't work. So right. there's some there's some positive there. <laughs> All right. So so let, let's assume you've handled your emotions correctly and you've <laughs> gotten to the point of requesting more information. What sorts of things might you ask them to tell you about the, the problem? 
Well, I think I had asked them kind of, you know, what are you, what steps are you taking? Um, and where does it appear to be slow? Okay. Because I think if you ask them in that kind of, in that, that order, they're going to be less likely to say it's just slow overall. You can say, mm-hmm. okay, um, what particular things were you doing where you started to notice it seemed a little bit more slower than you expected? Yeah. Um, and, and I will put it aside here. I don't know if you can notice, but my, my very first um, technical job was in customer tech support. Okay. So maybe that's, that's how I have the smoother way of talking <laughs> about uh, issues. Um, but uh, I think, um, you know, if you can ask them the steps uh, that can really get you, you know, along the way. And then uh, as, as funny as it sounds like getting the person to talk about, like they expect it to be a little bit faster than that, or, or kind of, kind of agree that here is the problem and here's what the solution is, is really going to get, going to get you to the point where you both understand the problem and the solution because right. they can say it's slow here, but maybe it was always slow there. Right, right. That, that wasn't what they were talking about. They were yeah. talking about something else. Yeah. Th- um, I was thinking about that too, that context, like, is this newly slow or has it been slow all along mm-hmm. and you're just complaining about it now because you can't take it anymore. Um, those are, those are important pieces of context to try to decipher. All right. So maybe you've gotten all the information you feel you need from the user, what what's your next step from there? How do you how do you tackle it with your? You've taken off your customer service hat, and now you have your developer hat on. Well, I think there's two different ways. I'd kind of I'd split it in, in half. One is the kind of the front end experience and how slow it is in the browser from loading a page, you know, making that connection to like the final paint or render, and mm-hmm. the other is how long it takes the server. Um, from the beginning of a request to it sends back data because those are two distinct, very different funnels of time being spent. Yeah. You know, you could say the front end kind of overlaps because there is that wait time where it waits on the server, but I mean, it's, you can't really do anything about that if you're a front end programmer then, right? right. It just right. It takes that long. So I think I would kind of figure out, I, I kind of just, hopefully I can duplicate at least some of the issue and try to figure out which area is probably the one that, is causing the issue um, using um, tools like the network inspector inside mm-hmm. of dev tools. Um, you can also use, uh, you know, tools like telescope uh, in Laravel to see like how many queries are running and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think really when it comes down to it, there's only a couple of things that really make it slow most times uh, in an application and, and nine out of 10 times it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And so th- those things, you know, starting on the back end would be very complex um, calculations, um, which is probably the least likely. Then it would be, you know, doing stuff that should have been in a job, but you did it in, in forefront, which is like sending mail or something takes yeah. a little bit longer. Or it's, you know, N plus one type queries or many queries are not, you know, eagerly loading or loading too much data and whatnot with the eloquent models. It's probably usually the most common situation I ran into with, with applications in the back end. And then on the front end, I mean, that's a whole other discipline. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can kind of take a look at each one of those and say, how long does it take? Um, for this file to load, is there anything blocking? Understanding the difference between, um, you know, what blocks in the browser and what doesn't. You know, JavaScript taking place over CSS, um, paints that happen in the browser, things like that. And that's something you could we could really get into. But you can kind of see that and say maybe this file is too large, or, or maybe I should you know investigate a little bit into you know web pack chunking or stuff like that. You know, I don't necessarily need to load all of this. 
Another common thing is applications that have like huge admin sections. Well, the user has no need to get that JavaScript. So stop sending it to them, you know, right. things like that. Yep. Yeah. The, now you mentioned duplicating the issue. Do you um, go as far as logging in as them or do you try to just reproduce it in a more generic circumstance? Cause I'm just thinking sometimes let's say it's a user that has way more data than the average user. Maybe it's just slow for mm -hmm. them because of how much data they particularly yeah. they have in their account. Well, I think, I think your question was leading. Do you, do you sometimes log in as them when their data, when their account is special? And that's probably the problem. Yes. Asked and yes, answered, overruled. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's one case. But what I would generally try to do is, is get it quick from the step of identifying it's something unique to their account to duplicating their account locally then. Okay. versus using, you know, their live production account or whatever, because, you know, a couple different things I want to make sure of is, is not, you know, not changing any data, anything like that. Yeah. But I also, to be honest, I've worked with a lot of marketing teams. I don't know what they're measuring, to, to be honest, but I know they're measuring stuff. And the more right. I use production, the more I'm offsetting their numbers to possibly be incorrect. That's you know, true. Like, why, yeah. why is someone loading the dashboard 27 times every minute? That right. seems weird. Oh, sorry, that was me. <laughs> well, and if the thing that's slow is like generating payroll checks or something, like you know, something that you can't, you just can't reproduce it in production because it's doing things in the outside world. That's that's a good point too. Yeah, I, I uh, just just my own observation is sometimes I might ask too much information of the user. You know, like like, well, what browser are you using, and and do you have any extensions installed? And and it it's kind yeah. of almost implying it's their problem. <laughs> so right. I, I, I was just thinking of that too, because maybe another facet of that empathy is get enough information for them to describe what happened, but maybe don't go overboard asking them to give you technical information until you've done your initial analysis. And because and, maybe you'll find it, you won't need that information and it's not browser specific. And you only ask for that other stuff when you, when you run out of options on your own. Well, it's like, what, what do they say in, like the financial world, the past performance doesn't um, guarantee future gains or whatever, something like that. Um, I find that I had to work really hard over the years to treat each situation as new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are the same, but it doesn't mean just because the last six people you talked to had a messed up browser that the seventh person has a messed up browser. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, we, we try to take all these shortcuts in the sake of efficiency. Sometimes you can actually go down the wrong the wrong path that way then. Yeah. Well, this, this has been useful. I think um, it's a good place to start gathering information, reproducing the issue if you can, how to, how to handle the emotional impact of getting a bug report like this. But how about next episode, we dive into the more technical aspects of this and uh, we can talk about some specific techniques for making the code faster once we've identified the issue. Cool. So I have used Facebook and Twitter for a long time. Uh, and what I find kind of interesting is all the different UI and UX changes they've made over the years <laughs> and um, how you might do updates or search for things. And, um, and I've been using it for quite a long time. And I still get a little afraid when I open up uh, like Twitter, especially, and I'm going to search for someone or a topic and I start searching and I have to look real quick to make sure 
I'm not just posting this person's name to my timeline, am I? Or let's be honest, if you're on Facebook searching someone, you want to know about them, you put in their name and you're like, that'd probably be the worst thing to just have a status update that says Joe Claremont. So it's pretty easy for us who have been, well, I wouldn't say pretty easy, but it's easy enough for us who've been using these services for a long time. But uh, I think about other people who maybe got uh, involved with it or didn't have that much experience on the internet or websites. And uh, that reminds me of Ed Ball's Day. Do you Mm. know what Ed Ball's Day is? I didn't until you told me about it some time ago. (laughs) But uh, why, why don't we share this nugget of internet history with everyone? So Ed Balls is uh, from uh, London, England. Uh, He is a member of parliament. And um, in April of 2011, uh, he got on Twitter for the first time. And he was um, looking uh, to search someone or something like that. He wanted to check out um, stuff. And so he just put his own name in the tweet box and hit tweet. And so basically one of his first tweets is Ed Balls, his own name. And from then on, it was just, it was retweeted by thousands and thousands of people. Um, and he was unaware that you were able to delete tweets. So the tweet has never been deleted now. And now the incident is now celebrated as Ed Balls Day, every 28th of April. So uh, if you know, you're on the internet in the 28th of April and you happen to see Ed Balls Day, know that it was uh, a gentleman who... Um, maybe did the same mistake that uh, we all could do when Twitter and Facebook and all those move around their little uh, um, status updates and put your own name in. Yeah. I will tell you the experience I had learning about Mr. Balls is that (laughs) prior to hearing about it, I really never gave this second thought, but since it, I'm like, if I'm about (laughs) to search for something, I have that, that just that hesitation. Like, am am I going to pull an ad balls here or is, uh, Am I actually using the search feature correctly? So I think this is uh, both a PSA and a cautionary tale to people. And it certainly might be something you think about the next time you do a search on the internet. Can you just not wait till the next episode to get tips on how to make your Laravel application better, faster, and stronger? Oh, we can help. Head over to our website, nocompromises.io slash tips and sign up for our free weekly newsletter.